0: Greetings and welcome to episode number 70 of the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Today, I'm speaking with a fellow Michelle, which is a theme for some of these upcoming podcasts because it seems like everyone I'm talking to also has my name. But Michelle owns Holisticism and Holisticism is this incredible business talking about the intersection of wellness, technology, business. This conversation was so enlightening and Michelle knows way more about Web3 crypto NFTs than I do. And we get into kind of the intersection of all of that, Um, how that relates to wellness, what it means to have self-care, how business owners can continue to evolve with this world that we live in. And Michelle does a really great way of crafting these into different TikTok videos, which is how I found her. Uh, And she's absolutely fascinating to talk to. So enjoy the episode. And don't forget to throw holisticism a follow everywhere on social. Enjoy. Enjoy. My aesthetic branding marketing entrepreneurship. You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. where we build brag-worthy brands through visual identity design and social media. You're in the right spot for branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice, so enjoy the episode. I'm gonna be a speaker. Again, I can officially announce that I will be a speaker at the Designer Boss Summit 4.0. This is my fourth time presenting as part of this summit. It is a totally free digital conference devoted to helping creative entrepreneurs work smarter, not harder in their design business. Right now, there are 20 plus amazing speakers coming at you from all all over the globe, which is crazy exciting, and topics ranging from making sales to charging premium prices to simplifying your own schedule and everything in between. I'd consider myself the in-between. My presentation this go-around is all about motion graphics, specifically animated GIFs and how they can take your brand from basic to bragworthy. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, this summit is a no-brainer. You can go to mkwcreative.co slash links. That's m-k- kwcreative.co slash links and click right through to get your free ticket. It is 100% free. The summit is happening April 20th through 22nd. It is all online. You can tune in from wherever you are. And please let me know on social if you happen to snag your ticket. I can't wait to see you guys there. Greetings guys. And welcome back to the kiss my aesthetic podcast. I'm so excited to have a fellow Michelle on the pod. Michelle, welcome. Hey, welcome to the
1: Babies with 80s Names.
0: Exactly, exactly. (laughs) It's so funny because there's two other Michelles that I also connected with on TikTok that I also have slotted for the podcast, which is hilarious.
1: Wait, do you feel like a Michelle though? No. Like, yes, but no. I don't either. I have never met a Michelle who feels like a Michelle. Isn't that weird? There's so many other
0: names that have such. You can you can think of like what an Ashley looks like, right? (laughs) Like you can think of what a Sarah, my sister's name. All my best friends' names are Sarah. My sister. I have three best friends named Sarah. They're all they all very (laughs) much fit Sarah, and they're all brunette, like classic. But yeah, Michelle's Sarah.
1: Yeah, Michelle's don't really have like a a look. I know we're tough to pin down. I've never felt like a Michelle, but when I meet someone else named Michelle, I'm like, I mean, solidarity, Yeah, name solidarity, obviously. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Well, besides
0: having the same name, we also create a ton (laughs) of content on TikTok, the both of us, which is how we originally got connected. But for anyone who doesn't know you or hasn't found you yet on their For You page, um, can you explain who you are, what you do and who you help?
1: Yeah, I am the CEO of Holisticism. And at Holisticism, we study the business of wellness and well-being from a couple of different perspectives. One, to help people who are in the wellness space grow their businesses and help more people. And uh, for those of us who are wellness hype beasts who really just participate in the culture, to really understand it and what we're buying into and uh, why do we buy the things that we buy? Why do we do the things that we do? How can we be capitalism critical? And, um, you know, be personally sovereign around the choices that we make when it comes to our well-being. And we do that all with like you know, just a splash of attitude and a lot of fun. I was even cruising through your Lincoln bio on Instagram
0: before we were hopping on this podcast. And the names of the things that you guys have going on are so cool. Can we talk about just how many freaking offerings that you have for people like myself for I grew up in Southern California, so wellness industry is like part of who I am, yeah. right? It's so much part of our DNA in Southern California. But talk to us a little bit about everything that comes out of holisticism.
1: I mean, it's a lot. I mean, I'm sure my team would wish that, wishes that it was uh, that we were a little less prolific because we make a lot of content, but we basically you know, we have these two groups of people that we help, wellness practitioners and then the wellness hype beasts. And I found that as um, working in the wellness space for so long, a lot of wellness practitioners are also people who tend to have what I call squiggly brains. So they're often, and I would say like across the board, entrepreneurs tend to be people who don't fit into a box that's been decided for them. They don't fit into a nine to five job. They don't like having a boss. And part of that might be because they are naturally rebellious you know they have that rebel archetype in them but i think a lot of us are not neurotypical you know i have adhd i have epilepsy and i just never i felt like when i was working a 9 to 5 job like i was dying like i truly it sounds so dramatic but i was like i'm wasting my life sitting here doing these things in this boring way like taking so much time and i think a lot of entrepreneurs have squiggly brains whether they also have ADHD or are neurodivergent, or just in general think in a non-linear way, think in a way that's different than the average person. Um, so we make a lot of content for that person in particular who maybe looks at the systems around them that haven't worked for them, and we can like extrapolate that to the system of healthcare in this country. We can extrapolate that to systemic oppression and the systems that our you know world is built upon right now that really aren't working for a lot of people. And we try to help them through that and find a new way, imagine a new way of doing things. Instead of shrinking yourself down to fit into the box, what if you just like create your own world? Um, So a lot of our content is that, especially our classes called Notion for Magical Baddies, which is all about having ADHD and using the system called Notion to help you you know, live your life. Heck yeah.
0: No, we're definitely going to get into all of that for sure. Um, But let's rewind back to the beginning. You said you had an office job. You felt like you were dying. You said, this is not for me. I've got to find some other solution. I'm the opposite side. So I started my business in college. Um, My parents are entrepreneurs, my grandmother, my aunt, my great-grandmother, all business owners. So I didn't know or set out necessarily to start my own business, but I had a lot of encouragement from day one. Like, oh, you have skills, charge money for them. Here you go. Like, here's how you send an invoice. And I didn't know what to charge. And they said, okay, we'll just charge more than you would make babysitting, which is the only other job I'd ever had. (laughs) And I was making $12 an hour babysitting. So I charged $15 an hour for graphic design. And that's literally (laughs) how I started day one at 20 years old over the summer, In Lake Tahoe at my parents' house. And I'm like, yeah, try it. If it sucks, go get a job. Like, whatever. Yeah. So that, I am very lucky in that. And now my sister has her own business as well. And so I have like that network. But for someone maybe who doesn't have that network or that background or see that possibility, kind of walk me through your experience of
1: being nine to five to now where you are. Well, my career, my professional career has been all over the place, as squiggly as my brain. I was a professional modern dancer. Okay. So I was a professional artist, and that's what I did. Uh, And then, you know, you make like no money, literally no money, or $10 an hour for a performance um, when you're a dancer. So I was like, I got to get another job, and actually five other jobs. And, um, you know, by the time I stopped dancing, I luckily had developed this um, really... I I'd, I'd, I'd become a celebrity trainer. Um, okay, that was like cool. my side job that I started doing and nutrition with with you know high value clients, I guess you could say. Totally. Um, so I ended up opening a studio in LA. I helped open one in New York and then you know realized one morning I didn't love telling uh, rich white ladies how to help them get thinner. Like that wasn't like my mm-hmm. purpose in mm-hmm. life. But I really wanted to understand. So similarly to you, I I didn't really go to business school. I didn't really like I'd never worked at a real quote unquote job before. I would kind of worked at these places where no one else really knew what they were doing either. Um, And I figured, you know, I want to make an impact on the world. And I think I can do that by running a business because I know that people who have money can help a lot of people. And I want to do that. And I'd been an artist already. So I was like, I don't think art is the way right now, the way the art world is set up. And I don't think I can make a difference in the art world with who I am right now. At least, you know, I'm not really ready to make those sacrifices. So Mm -hmm. I figured like, well, I could either go to business school or I could just join a startup and kind of like get in on the ground floor of something. And I got really, really, really lucky. And like a week into my job search, joined a startup that had like, you know, six employees. And um, I was number seven and ended up growing from there. And I will tell you, that was the best decision because I didn't have any debt from school that I had to go through. And you learn so fast when you're just kind of immersed in it, um, totally. especially at a high growth startup. You learn a lot. So I worked in tech for six years after that. And then a long pathway of jumping from company to company, which is very typical in the tech world, um, started holisticism.
0: Okay. Okay. Now this makes so much sense, your content on TikTok, because I kind of came across <laughs> yeah. your content of your case studies, for lack of a better term, of brands like Outdoor Voices, about Mirror, mm-hmm. about Peloton, about this, this, you know, co of the business world and wellness world and advertising world. So that leads perfectly into our three topics of the podcast, which are always branding, <laughs> marketing, and entrepreneurship. So the first question I wanted to ask you was how does branding actually inform our perception of the user and vice versa? And how much of your brand is influenced by an audience? Because I think in this generation of social media and social media-minded brands, right, the two talk to each other way more than the old corporate structure of like the brands of our parents' generation. where are like, this is us, this is the product, enjoy it. There's not a lot of back and forth. Um, so how do you tackle this question of kind of how the brands reflect the user, the customer, the client, whatever you want to call the other end,
1: and back and forth? Mm, that's a good question. I actually don't when I'm thinking of. So I'll use the example of holisticism. We basically redo our branding every quarter. Okay. And that's not like my, you know, a macro level branding. We're not changing the name of the company. We're not, you know, like changing our, what we offer, but we do change the aesthetic and the tone of, of what we're doing, depending on what we're trying to accomplish. So we kind of reverse engineer from our goal Who are we? Like, what is the archetype or archetypes that we're embodying? I'm really into the idea of archetype embodiment in clothed cognition, which is a a mental model that shows us that when we dress differently, we actually unlock different ways of thinking. And I think that this applies obviously to neuroaesthetics as well. How things, you know, the room that I'm in right now, the way that my office is set up, how a brand looks, the logo, the website, all of that is giving us clues and information about how we should feel and how we do feel. So obviously branding is super important, but I think less about you know, tailoring it to an end user and more about, well, who am I? And maybe this comes from me as, you know, mostly a content creator or starting as a content creator of what what do I want to talk about? What am I good at? What do I love? What do I think is interesting? And what can I continually do? And yeah, I'm sure you can relate, Michelle, because you put out a shit ton of content. <laughs> like, how am I not going to burn out? I have to be interested in this thing that I'm making content around. So what do I want to talk about? What will that mean? And then figuring out with my skill set, who can I potentially talk to and what problem can I potentially solve for that person? Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of bringing those two ideas together of what's the problem I can solve and how can I solve it? And then thinking about, well, what archetypes will I embody to solve that problem? So for example, if we're talking about like intuitive business, um, the archetypes that holisticism is embodying this quarter um, are pretty particular based on some Programming that we're we're launching in Q two, and we're really going to be talking to people about building their systems and um, making money off of their content creators cashing in. So who would be the best person to talk about that? Who would be the best expert to talk about that? And we're like, obviously, someone who's like the blueprint, who like is is like nobody else is just like, ugh. You, you almost can't even encapsulate them, but they're so unique and original and you want to do everything that they're doing. They're like not even a trendsetter because they're so above and beyond trends. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, that's who I want to take advice from. And then the next person would probably be like the curator, the person who just is so like specific and clear with the content that they make or what they're putting out into the world. And yes, they're making it for you. They're curating it for you. But if you don't like it, it's OK.
0: Yeah, Like
1: they know that what they've done is is really fucking baller. Um, so those are some of the archetypes that we're working with right now. And that's, and then we reverse engineer from that feeling. Well, what would the tone look like? Sound like what would the actual visuals look like of those types of people? Um, how would they show up on my feed? How would they show up in my email? All that good stuff.
0: Yeah, no, I think this makes a lot of sense. And Wilson, my dog, I guess wants to be in the podcast. Thank you, buddy. I love it. Thanks for hitting your, (laughs) your tail right into the table, into the microphone. I love it when you, I love when you do that. Um, (laughs) good job, buddy. We have a tendency. Yeah. We have a funny thing. Do you listen to my favorite murder podcast? Where it's like, yeah, Elvis yeah. want a cookie. Like we have yeah. that of Wilson being because I was trying to record one day and he just wanted to bark at me and I was like, "Do you want to say hi?" And he, like right on cue. <laughs> um, so we plug that in sometimes, which is funny. But I think what you were talking about that I want to circle back to is this idea of like a seasonality of your business and that there are things within a brand that should kind of be in flux. Right. Like there's absolutely there's all these opportunities to and as a branding person, you know, people might perceive that as like, oh, well, you don't ever want to change your fonts or your colors or your patterns. Like how are you going to be recognizable? But like the opposite is kind of true. Absolutely. That if you have the right amount of framework and the right amount of foundation, you can leave enough things flexible to then allow your brand to breathe like it needs
1: to be kind of a living thing. Right. I agree. I mean, Nike is such a good example because Nike is constantly changing fonts, aesthetic colors. Yes, of course, they have their like classic brand colors that we all, you know, that neon green that Mm -hmm. we associate with Nike. But look at some of their their latest creative. It's beautiful. It's stunning. And you're like, oh, hell yeah, of course that's Nike. Mm -hmm. Like that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Duh. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know. People shouldn't recognize just your sort of like brand, from my perspective, Mm -hmm. your logo. Totally. People should be compelled by the content and then say, who made this? Totally. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Nike made that. Mm -hmm. Oh, Holisticism made that. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. I love that.
0: Yes. It's a very content forward approach, which I think of the brands that my team and I work with. Our tagline is we build brag worthy brands because we want to build brands that have this like brag worthy quality where, you it's not that you are forced to talk about it. You love it so much you want to talk about it. You want to tell your friends over dinner. You want to give it to your mom for Mother's Day. Like you want, there's this brag-worthy quality where it the brand itself embodies the all the things that you're trying to say about that person or that thing. Right. Um, and I think that that's where branding comes into play. But you have to have that flexibility. Um, yeah. It's really crazy to see how much it's evolved. I love that you use Nike as an example. I think they're a great brand that's really changed over time. What's another brand that's caught your eye that has had an evolution where you really admire what they do?
1: Mm, that's a good question. I think that <laughs> Oatly is like doing too good of a job right now yeah. um, with their branding. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, right, Like that's always really impressive to me when someone's like completely out of stock or like their supply chain cannot keep up with the demand. Mm-hmm. And it's not because, you know, they went viral on TikTok once. It's because they've made it made consistent, interesting content. Totally. Another brand that I'm obsessed with is Vacation. Do you yes, know this brand?
0: I was just looking at their stuff this morning because I have another client
1: and we reference
0: them all the time. They're crushing,
1: crushing. They're amazing and I think that their story, you know, like who knows if their story is it's a story. So who, right. who knows how true it is, but, but also they cares? started as just, right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I've worked at enough startups to know that every single brand story is made up. Mm-hmm. Um, and most brands are like made in a lab somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, most big brands are made in a lab, especially the ones who they're like, oh yeah, the founder was just in his college dorm thinking no no nope. no that was a startup studio trust me um but vacation is super interesting because for like two years they were just a radio station okay Did you i know didn't that? know this no yeah they were just a web player and they were, i think basically like a design studio you know right um, and then because they'd made this like pool fm which okay. was their radio station their OG. Um, mm-hmm, they were like what's a, pr- a product that can go with that and they decided to white label sunscreen and they picked this really great scent and now they've got their candles and mm-hmm. their perfume. But the most interesting turn to me has been their move into the NFT space because I think that that's fascinating. And a really great example of just an organic sort of um, transition of like, of course, people are obsessed with this brand because it started off as this like web player. Right. Um, everything has come naturally, you know, and grown naturally, of course, people are going to want to opt into the brand and supporting the brand and even being part of it, like, you know, being an equity stakeholder in a way by owning an NFT. Um, so that sounds like that's a perfect organic move into Web3 versus, I don't know, like Chanel making an NFT Um I don't think that that's necessarily, yeah, Yeah. yeah, like I don't, I don't, I'm not going to buy that. I don't, I think that's just like a cash grab.
0: Right. Okay. Let's talk about that because this is the question really about advertising and marketing. Clearly things have evolved so quickly. We weren't even talking about web three, even two years ago. I'm fascinated by it. I haven't dipped my toes into the pond yet, but my brain is on. I, I talked to someone about this and then I had to call my sister and I said, I feel like Elon Musk is in my brain. Like, this is the feeling, <laughs> this is must be what it feels like That's to be here. I was like, this is terrifying. And also this is why I could never do drugs because I would just be an absolute menace with to society with <laughs> ideas because I started thinking about, okay, what does it look like to have your brand in the metaverse? What does it look like to have, if you're not limited by physicality of space can you create a flagship store or a flagship experience or like some kind of absolutely bonkers, Willy Wonka, like mall tycoon version of your brand that then elevates the whole this is this thing isn't just this physical thing that I, I get to hold or this service that I interact with once, but take it to the next level. So for someone who's like, what the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> How do you summarize NFTs and Web3 in like layman's terms?
1: Yeah, so we're currently transitioning out of web two. Web two is what the internet, what most of us, if you're listening to this, have grown up with the internet being, which is I log on, it's about platforms. I log on to Instagram, I and I'm one person. I log on to Twitter and I am another person. I log on to Facebook, I'm a different person. And the platform's really controlling and really the attention, your attention being what's valuable. And Web 3.0 is different because it provides us an opportunity to really have our identity that's mm, something that we're more in control of. In, and also the, the way that we build community and the way that we share of ourselves be something that we get rewarded for. In Web 2.0, the more people that join a platform. Um, let's say the more people that join Instagram, if you're an early adopter, you actually get penalized because if there are fewer people on the platform, then you have a higher likelihood of getting seen, right? Mm -hmm. The more people that join, the more popular it gets. Well, then, you know, you might not grow as fast because now there are really shiny, beautiful people also making content Mm -hmm. here who are your, you know, your, I guess, competition. In Web3 and the way Web3 is built and the way direction it's moving in, you get rewards. You get rewarded the more you interact on the platforms and in Web3 and the more you bring other people in. So it behooves people to really build community there. And Web3, I would say like in general, the philosophy behind it is that there should not be single stake- stakeholders. There shouldn't be like a Mark Zuckerberg who right. can own all of meta. Right. There, We all of us can own a stake in these platforms that we're interested in. And Web3 is, you know, the, the rise of Web3 comes with the blockchain and being able to make things like smart contracts, which are what NFTs are um, a byproduct of. By um, by byproduct, I mean smart contracts allow NFTs right. to exist. Right. Um, and then DAOs are another interesting thing that's happening in Web three. Decentralized autonomous organizations, which are basically communities, where if you are part of it, you're effectively buying in, contributing to it, so you own a stake in it. Okay. So you can have voting rights for, let's say, you and I. We we start Michelle Michelle squared. That's our DAO, right? Uh Only Michelles can join it. Yeah. And once they join, they buy a token to get in. So that's how they're saying, like, yes, I'm buying a stake in this. Or we make an NFT that's like you know Michelle bumper sticker, um, and it's a picture of that. And so they can buy the NFT, and that represents their "quote unquote" ticket Mm -hmm. into this DAO. Mm -hmm. And they also, along with that ticket, get voting rights or get a certain amount of voting rights. So if they bought fifteen of those NFTs, then they are allowed fifteen voting spots. Okay. So all DAOs are set. You know, DAOs are set up differently depending on you know who's involved and what the premises, but it's an amazing I, I understand what you said about like, oh my God, my brain feels like it's on fire or something. Yeah. Because effectively web three breaks down all the systems and all of the boundaries and limitations that we had in web two and asks you to reimagine what could the internet be like? What totally could being online be like, you know? And I think
0: the first question to preface this whole conversation. And when I had, I had all my friends over for dinner, even last night, and there were 16 of us and we've gotten into this conversation before. And I said, okay, you, you have to park yourself. Like, are you a technology optimist or pessimist? Because if you believe in that, like an absolute dystopian future where everything is online and everything, everything else is going to go to shit, you're going to have a bad time in this conversation. So I was yeah. like, I need you to park yourself in like technology optimism and see, this is a potential for all the things that we love and do in real life, travel mm-hmm. experiences, connection—like any value that you're getting from a Web two existence—theoretically, you could get that in Web three, but better, like more.
1: Yeah, you know, and and the the metaverse or Web three doesn't mean that we won't also be in real life. That's, I think, what a lot of people like get afraid of. Of like, I don't want to only be, you know, visiting Turks and Caicos by putting on a headset. And I think that is a bit dystopian, but it just opens up more opportunity. Instead of thinking of like crowding out opportunities, we're just opening up a whole new, literally, multiverse Mm -hmm. to ourselves. Mm -hmm. A new way of doing things. I think it's really interesting and exciting. And I also like to approach things from an abolitionist perspective, which is um, when things aren't working, we get to imagine a new future. Totally. Instead of trying to like, well, fix this, reform this broken system that really, really sucks and like it's going to take a really long time. What if we can imagine a completely new system um, like prison reform? No, let's just like abolish prison. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Same thing when it comes to I think technology, instead of trying to reform Web 2, which we know is really broken. We know that there's like a lot of problems with it, right? What if we imagine a whole new way of doing things and then we advocate for that? And I think that's the missing piece with a lot of people who are afraid of Web 3 or who are, you know, rightfully nervous about it is we have the opportunity to advocate for what we believe in. And I think crypto is a good example. And then I'll stop talking about no, this. Stuff, I love It's this so stuff. boring. But I hear a lot online, especially on TikTok. I am, and I'm too tired to answer these people because I'm just like, stop. Uh-huh, Sorry, uh-huh. not to sound like a dick, no, but like I hear you. Yep, I can tell how much you've read and how much you know based on what you're. What your response is, um, and that's no shade. I, I get that this stuff can be intimidating to a lot of people, but a lot of people say, "Oh, but crypto is so bad for the environment. How could you possibly believe in wellness? How could you possibly be a good person? How could you possibly be believe in equity and social justice if you also believe in crypto?" And my answer is: first and foremost, um, do you think that big banks are good for the environment? Do you think that Bank of America and Chase that are Like literally funding pipelines, that that's a better answer, and not you know we're not going to just like compare those two, but but let's that's our other option, right? Is the current banking system that we exist within? Totally. And what's so cool and such a great representation about Web three and demanding better is that Bitcoin, uh, which is like the OG cryptocurrency, Mm -hmm. when it was first created, and as we're you know minting it now, still mining it now. It required a lot of energy because it's proof of uh, proof of work. Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot of energy to mine it and to basically say this is legit. But we demanded better. We said no. We want. We don't want this to be as bad for the environment. So proof of stake was developed, and now we have blockchain technology like Solana, where it takes more energy actually to do a Google search than it does to mint on the Solana blockchain. Okay, that's crazy.
0: I think that yeah, it's just kind of a lack of understanding, and I think. For most people on the internet, like, and even when I'm talking to my friends or my family, I tell them, I said, I know like the tippy, tippy, tippy top of the barely 1% of this entire iceberg. There's so (laughs) much. And there's so many people that know so much more about it than I do. But to circle back to what you talked about earlier, just because we're going to have this web three does not mean that real life stuff goes away. Right? Not at all. So they're both going to grow Kind of, I think, in parallel, right? We saw this with the pandemic. All of a sudden, everyone's locked in their house, but guess what became a really important part of the conversation? Wellness, mental health, taking breaks, filling up your social battery in a way that was like safe and healthy for everyone. So both tracks are going to run parallel to each other. And what a perfect thread back to holisticism of where do we see the evolution of this business and wellness coexistence? Because I love that what you said on your TikTok that like the wellness, the marketing of wellness or the wellness economy is almost kind of phasing out. And I love that. I love seeing the things yeah. kind of oh, yeah. that come got, and go. I have people
1: very mad, Michelle, the totally. way that people came for me. They're like, wellness is not dead. And like, okay, calm down. First yes. And but foremost. also, like, what <laughs>
0: happened to 90 calorie packs and snack wells and the South Beach exactly. diet and all that other stuff? Like, everything has a life cycle. And even we talk about that with Instagram. Like,
1: Instagram's kind of on its way out. We're my team. Instagram is 100% in the death knell. Yep. It is. Like, just you can tell by the number of like, features that they're dropping and how quickly they're dropping them. Like and they're not the, fully the timeline. fleshed out. Yep. No. And they're just like, come back, please. Oh
0: yeah, if we give you the timeline you've been asking uh-huh. for? Like- <laughs> we moved all of our clients off Instagram <laughs> contracts because we do Instagram and TikTok management for brands that we design. So cool. that's like what my agency does and, and my team. And now I kind of was getting this feeling. And then I interviewed Alex Beaton on the podcast. She's like, Oh yeah, I've built my whole business on Instagram. I think it's done. I was like, Okay, here we go. Like she goes, I'm totally pivoting. I really had to like reconsider. But she had courses and downloadables and everything like growing your Instagram stories. Here's how to get better at Instagram lives. Like all of her products were kind of centered around Instagram growth, and she's totally taken. And I've looked up to her for so long. So I was like, okay, I had had this feeling, this premonition already that like that's how it was going. So we told all of our clients, like, okay, you can sign on for a video content contract, but we will no longer Mm -hmm. be offering Instagram, and. Almost all of them were like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then I had one that was like, no, I think my audience is on Instagram. I was like, yes, they are, but also you have a whole untapped audience. We don't really need your existing audience. We need a new audience as well. So yeah, it's both, yeah. but it's crazy. Let's talk about the business and the wellness and the wellness phasing out because I love that you got a harsh reaction on that on TikTok.
1: <laughs> yeah, people were super mad. They were, they were really mad. They were like, wellness is important. I'm like, no shit, wellness is important. I have a wellness business. Of course, of course. <laughs> it's like, you're, come on, buddy. You're preaching to the choir here. But the what I'm talking about is like wellness capital W wellness industry, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're like, the smoothie bowls, the avocado toast, the aloe yoga, right? Like that version of wellness is dead. Yes. Straight up, it's dead. I will call it. I will happily eulogize it because we've moved past it. And part of that is because of the pandemic. During the pandemic, we realized, oh my God, wellness should be accessible for all And it should be all the time, everywhere, (laughs) always. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And we were like, well, it's not fair, you know, that wellness, wellness shouldn't be expensive. Wellness mm-hmm. shouldn't just be for Gwyneth Paltrow, which it had been. Wellness had been a way to basically veil your wealth mm-hmm. and to show people that you have leisure time, that you can spend time on yourself, that you're um, a certain level of class because you can, you've can, thought about these things and you you value them. And none of that is necessarily bad. It's just the truth of what the wellness world was. Very gatekeeping to, um, you know, black people, people of color, queer people, anyone who's not neurotypical. And
0: gatekept in a way to make you feel less than. Like gatekept in a way to position yourself at the top of the food chain to say, well, of course it's easy. Just, what is it, J-Lo? Just put olive oil on your face. You're like, girl. Uh
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just olive oil. And it's just like waking up at five and drinking lemon water. water. And it's just, you know, I meditate for two hours a day. And if you really, if you don't have two hours in the day for yourself, you really do even have time, you know, like that sort of attitude. Um, So because of the pandemic, that really just accelerated this downfall that's been happening for a while, but just more.
0: (laughs) Sorry. I I was trying to motion for you to keep going because he's barking. Someone's picking up a package on my door. Anyway, but yeah, the whole the gatekeeping of it all, the gaslighting of it all. Like excluding you think wellness and you do think Gwyneth Paltrow in your head. Like that's her yeah. whole vibe. That's her whole everything. And that wellness is so much more multifaceted than that. And we've also been sold this idea of wellness that looks like the matching aloe set and <laughs> the super clean white bedding and all right. of those things have now been like so copy paste
1: It's yucky. 100%. And and we also, you know, in response to, well, wellness should obviously be accessible for all people. Like obviously we all need this thing. If we all come to agreement on that, then by definition, wellness cannot be a luxury experience. It's only available to the few. So the branding and the placement and the sort of messaging behind the wellness industry up until this point no longer works because we, we all collectively agree, like, it shouldn't just be $500 cryofacials and that's what wellness is. Um, and we're finding it in, and this is like amazing, we're finding wellness in every different aspect of our lives, well-being in different aspects of our lives. So where what we think is going to happen is that um, wellness, I like to call it well-being because so many people associate wellness with wellness industry, is going to be something that's way more holistic, that we do actually apply it to like, Okay, what about like the clothes that I'm wearing? Do those Mm -hmm. make me feel good? Mm -hmm. They don't have to be zero waste. They don't have to be organic cotton. But like, do I feel good about them? Are they coming from like a factory in China? Does that make me feel a little bad? Maybe that children sewed my clothes. Maybe I shouldn't buy those anymore. Mm -hmm. And then what about my work? Like, am I feeling well in the work that I do? Or am I feeling unwell? Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, am I Mm -hmm. feeling like this actually doesn't support my breath and my life and my creativity and and my personal passions? Um, Is this degenerative or is it regenerative? That's a question that we ask a lot. And I think that that's really what we're moving more into is a more holistic perspective of well-being of what about my office space? Does that make me feel good? Right. If it doesn't, like, why would I work there? Totally. You know, totally.
0: And I think for those of us that came up in entrepreneurship in the height of the girl boss era, this is can feel really conflicting because so much of our worth and I like this was me started my business twenty fourteen leaned in red girl boss Sophia Amoruso into the whole thing and to then think of having that audit of every facet of your life feels not as satisfying as the productivity of, I woke up, I did this, I made this many brands this year. I did this much quality work and like the output economy of what, how much you make, how much content you make. Oh, I'm posting on TikTok eight times a day. It's like, holy smokes. But like you're saying, consider that, like consider that as, is that your wellness or not? Is that regenerative or degenerative? And I think really easy. I'm trying to put ourselves in the minds of the listener who's just started their business. It's really easy to fall into that that really slippery slope. So what kind of advice would you give for someone who's interested in what, what I do, what you do, and kind of wants to start to get into this arena? What kind of advice would you give them if they are just starting out?
1: Ooh, well, oh my God. <laughs> um, my advice would be start an email newsletter like amen, amen 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 <laughs> exactly <laughs> started immediately I would honestly start it on Substack like okay because you could monetize it so easily if you needed to but that could also serve as like your website for the time being um that's what I would do I don't think you need a fancy website right now if you're first getting started but I do think that you need to make some fucking killer content and I also think you need to know what your unique intersection is like I'm not saying to niche down I actually like I don't know. We might disagree on this, but I do not think that you need to niche. Agree, down. Like, agree, agree. I think that that's a that's a killer of like a lot of creativity. But I do think you need to know where you stand. Like, what's your corner? My corner is intuitive business and well being. Um, that's what I know, and like I love to talk about, and I can pretty much connect any topic to those two topics because that's my lens that I'm obsessed with, and that I know so I know better than I know myself. Um, so know what your unique intersection is. And usually that's two disparate ideas. And once you are sitting at that, in the middle of that X, that intersection, like usually there's not a lot of competition there because you're so unique because that's, they're so different. Um, so I would say maybe know what that is. And I would also say like, yeah, think about in degenerative versus regenerative. Degenerative means to take away from life. Regenerative means to feed to be life-giving. So what is life-giving? And that also means what is making you money? Because your business should be regenerative. Your business yep. should refill itself. Yep. So if you don't have products and services and you don't have a cycle of content that feeds from your free content into your paid content, then you do not have a regenerative business. And everything I try to model at my business after comes from nature. Nature is naturally regenerative and it has zero redundancies. So there are no duplicates, unnecessary duplicates in nature. There should be no unnecessary duplications, um, redos, extra TikTok videos, extra content that you're putting up over and over again on Instagram. That should not happen. Um, Save your energy totally. Okay,
0: yes. I agree with this completely and I can identify exactly where my clients are stuck in that cycle that you just demonstrated with your finger even though this is a podcast, but we'll get it on <laughs> video. <laughs> no, we'll get it on video. It's totally fine. But I have clients that really got stuck in the first quarter of that, which is they wanted to have a brand and just make content period. And it's like, "Yeah, that's great, but like I need you to make money at this idea because you're paying <laughs> us. Yeah. You're paying yeah. us, your team to help grow your brand and make you help make the content better but you don't have any products services workshops guides monetization email lists like right. there's no there's no end we're just giving people a dead end they're going oh that's cool and then they're moving on
1: yeah. Because people want to support you. People want more. Like when they love you and they love your stuff, like they want more from you. And we're in like in an energetic, not to get super intuitive and witchy, but I am a witch. So love that. Um, we're in an energetic constantly of consuming others and being consumed. Mm-hmm. That's what getting paid is. When you get paid for your consulting services, your your client is consuming you. Totally. They're consuming part of your knowledge, right? But you are also consuming part of them because you're taking some of their capital, right? You're c- taking some of their money, but it's reciprocal and you've both agreed to it. And that consumption cycle can feel horrible to some people because they're used to being overconsumed. They're mm-hmm. used to giving too much of themselves all the time and their relationships and their friendships On the internet, they're used to just putting up a shit ton of content and not really getting much in return, other than followers or a few L's or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? But that consumption sort of energetic needs to be in balance because, again, it's just like nature. Nature is all about consuming and being consumed and like being reused over and over again. I'm drawing a circle Mm -hmm. with my finger. Yeah, but and and also we're like in the best time ever because there's so many ways for content creators to make money and like totally. And you know? and you
0: don't even need to throw yourself I think people get turned off by the word influencer or content creator like there's a turn off in that if you like something and you like telling people about it that's what it is like that's yeah. what that's where we're at and it's no different than pre-internet when you needed fashion advice and you went to your fashionable friend or you needed to know where to eat a really really great sandwich and you went to your friend that's the foodie like that social exchange has always existed. It's just, we're putting it under this bracket of like, oh, it's happening on this platform or whatever, but there is value in going to pay someone to ask for the specific advice that you want or to help you with something. Like we're all in the business of helping people, whether you have a product, a service, anything, everyone's in the business of helping people do things better, smarter, faster, funnier, whatever that category is. Um, I think that we have to re- remind ourselves of that because like you're saying, if you were to start a business tomorrow, starting an email list where you're curating, you're putting yourself in the role of the curator, things that you find interesting to then monetize that list is a great route to start. And you don't have to have everything figured out. Like I'd be the first one to say, I don't have everything figured out. You just have to know two more things than the person who's asking you. <laughs> like that's it. It's <laughs> literally Yeah. It. I
1: like to think of I don't have to be a guru. I just have to be a contributor. Yes. And contributors don't have to know everything. Like, they just have to know what they know today, what they're writing about today. And like, they don't have to know, have the whole conversation dialed. They're just adding their bit right, for right now. Or
0: even you know? the value of just holding space for people to create conversation, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you can consider your social media content or whatever. Even if you don't have the answers, you can say like, I'm now going to dedicate this opportunity to then hold place for this. The podcast, we talked about this before. It's the best networking ever because now we Absolutely. have these brackets where we get to have this conversation, Right where it's like this doesn't nothing needs to become of this but there is like now an energy exchange of like we're learning from each other and we're having a really cool conversation and everybody who's listening is to listen to it the training, the workshop you guys have been asking for is here and it is available on my website. The Kiss My Gifts motion graphics training for graphic designers was a raging success when we hosted it back in March. And now you can catch the replay and start to teach yourself gifts. In this 60 minute, yes, 60 minutes, a whole hour, 60 minute training, you'll learn how to import your illustrator artwork into After Effects, the basics of After Effects motion graphic animation, Three to five, really, it's closer to five step by step keyframe animations. I literally am showing you how I do these exactly for my clients and then how to export your animation as a gift sticker. We talk process, we talk pricing, we talk creating motion graphics that are really going to move the needle for your clients and create something totally brag worthy out of their assets. Don't forget, take advantage of it. The Kiss My Gifts training available on my website, also linked in today's show notes or just go to mkwcreative.co and search GIFs. G-I-F. And yes, it's GIF. It's not
1: GIF. I will die on that cross. And on your note on like influencers and content creators, I actually really like the term knowledge worker.
0: Oh, that's cool. Because
1: yeah, I think that it, it like has a little bit of, it has less connotation with it. Although I do think it's like kind of misogynistic and anti-feminist to like, poo-poo influencer, but yes. you know, that's society. Yep. If if influence if the original influencers had been men, we'd be calling them master marketers. Totally. We wouldn't be calling them influencers, but that's a story for another day. But I like the term knowledge worker because so much of the internet is like a big brain, right? Like it's just knowledge that we're like sort of climbing through to find access to. And a lot of people that I talk to and work with are like, well, but someone could just Google this. Like someone, this could, this probably exists on the internet. And I'm like, yeah, it does exist on the internet. It probably exists in a book somewhere, but guess what? You're the one who found it for them and you're the one who's delivering it for them. And what they're paying you for is that, um, that you've shortened the the distance between them and the information. Yeah. You connected the neurons like exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that also is work because it takes a lot of work and going back, looping all the way back to our conversation about entrepreneurs being nonlinear thinkers. Nonlinear thinkers are the best at this because we're really excellent at seeing all these disparate ideas, these stars in the sky and creating a constellation out of them where someone else would have just been like, I don't know, just a bunch of stuff up there. Like, I I don't know, I, I can connect them in a straight line. We're like, no, 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 this is a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. Let me show you how it all works together. So Mm -hmm. my nonlinear thinkers out there, my squiggly brain people, like you're made for this. And you're also, you're made for entrepreneurship above all things, I would say.
0: Totally. My, My killer tagline in a social setting that my family now makes fun of me for is Well, what you could do is (laughs) if I start a sentence with that, they're like, oh, gosh, here she goes, like she's off. And I find myself saying it to clients because I get so hyped on their ideas. And, And you strike me as this person, too, where you are pulling all those crazy ideas together. It's almost a fun brain exercise. I was doing this with my sister. She's a wedding planner and she's kind of hitting this. She grew her TikTok huge and then she's kind of hit this plateau and she's feeling stuck. And I said, I want someone to like call out in the comments, three things that they think have nothing to do with each other. And then you create a wedding around that because your superpower is not that you make beautiful weddings. It's that you take the couple, their idea, their venue, the time and the trends and you and you like cook up this Mm -hmm. crazy, amazing event. And like you just said, you can see the constellation where somebody else is like, yeah, okay. It's a bunch of stars. Like these things don't seem to relate to each other at all. Mm-hmm. And like, what a yeah. fun brain teaser exercise! Like, I love this. Yeah,
1: stuff. I, I <laughs> my, my team likes to make fun of me because that is what I I do all. My husband and I do all the time. We'll, we'll walk into a restaurant, or we'll have like bad service somewhere, or we'll have a bad experience. We'll be like, okay, what would you do different? Shark tank okay, that what bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. We're like, okay, so what would you do? Like, you know, this. I work at this beautiful co-working space, and um, for a while they were really struggling because of COVID, and so. You know, my husband and I were having a dinner party and I was like, okay, what would you do if if you were second home to like make to like really make it pop? And we just it's so fun to come up with ideas for a business that isn't yours because it's so low stakes. Oh, yeah. And it makes you so much better at looking at your own business. Because totally. you're like, oh, "Totally, I could probably take some of that advice that I'm spilling out for somebody
0: else. I have the best story of this. I literally just did this at a friend's birthday party, their thirtieth birthday, <laughs> where My friends who they've been a couple for like 11 years, his passion is tropical fish tanks. And so he has this whole side hustle where he propagates tropical corals and he sells them. But based on ocean regulation, the price of corals fluctuates daily. So you could actually own a coral like Bitcoin, like Bitcoin. Exactly. (laughs) But there's this whole thing. It's called like aquaculture, whereas you only grow from your own propagations. You're not taking anything out from the mm-hmm. ocean, right? Yeah, yeah, So he has this incredible bank of knowledge about this coral industry. And he finally like is now not shy to then he asked me for like some logo and some, some logo help and some marketing help and everything like that. And his little brand is ties tanks. And I told him, I was like, well, now it has to also be a coral shop on the front, but a speakeasy in the back. Cause you would get tanked at ties tanks. And like I, we just yes. went a million miles with it, and then <laughs> and then now there's like twelve people in the party circled up, and we're like, and then and then and then and just like going for it. But like you said, yeah. it's so low stakes to just brainstorm that. Like that's the most fun thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's got to make coral coin now, exactly because like that would be and it and it moves up and down easy. with coral. Who easy, knows? yeah, easy. Oh, that's just so fun. It's so fun. It's so fun to talk about. Yeah, it just gets me so jazzed. And like, how cool that we get to do this as a job. Uh, Oh my God, I like pinch myself every day. And I think that, I think that like just allowing yourself to think outside the box and break down those systems of like, okay, basically your imagination, right? Like, okay, what if we made this a speakeasy? It means like we need to take, oh, but I don't have the money or I don't know how to do that or blah, blah, blah. Just forget it. You don't know how to do shit, dude. You didn't know how to walk. Just play. You didn't know how to talk. Yes. You You will figure it out. Trust me. Yeah. You will figure it out. Yeah. And if you personally cannot figure it out, you'll find the right person to help you. There's always someone out there, but don't let, I don't know how be the thing that holds you back because like, We have more now more than ever so much information at our fingertips and so many people available to help us. Like, that's no longer really an excuse, you know?
0: Totally, totally. I call them brain tickles, which I guess is what you call (laughs) squiggly brain. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Like brain tickles, not a brain teaser, but it's like just a little brain tickle. Uh, We have to know, what makes your brand holisticism brag-worthy?
1: Oh, I mean... So much. I have a really incredible team and that's, that's pretty, that's, I I brag about them a lot, but also just like a really incredible community of people who are all over this, you know, the spectrum, literally, but also every walk of life. And, um, you know, as a wellness brand, I'm really proud of that, you know, in the wellness industry. Um, and I think we, we're really good at making content. Yeah, I <laughs> so love that. We, we, are, we are very good at that. I, I would brag about that till the cows come. Heck yeah, heck yeah.
0: What's one thing you think you do particularly well and what's something you'd like to be better at?
1: Mm, um, I'm, I'm really good at big picture thinking and I'm really good at systems and organization just because I have ADHD. And so like literally in order to live, that's something that I had to master mm-hmm. um, or else I would truly not get out of bed or not get anything done. But I'm also in that way, like a little bit of a control freak sometimes. And I think that's normal for an entrepreneur who also, you know, had to do everything themselves to get started. You're the copywriter and the GM and the biz dev person and the CFO. So, um, you know, I'm definitely getting better at that. But this next year, that's one of the things I want to really hone in on is delegation. Absolutely. That was my big theme of last year,
0: delegation. That was my word of the year. It's hard, man. That is a whole new level to business that every step up until the delegation stage, you think you're like, oh yeah, this is the hardest hurdle I'll ever have to jump over. And then you're like, oh, just you wait. Just you wait till you got to delegate and build things. And you want to do it in a way differently than I feel like business has been done traditionally, right? Like we have this great opportunity to create the world that we want to live in, to create the company culture that we want to create, to have open communications, to, you know, see everyone on your team as someone who's contributing to that, that knowledge pot that you talked about. The knowledge, knowledge, well, you said a great term, a knowledge learner. What was your terminology? Knowledge worker. Yeah. Knowledge worker. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing. Well, where can everyone find you, follow you, connect with you if they want to take advantage of all those great resources from holisticism? How can they do that?
1: Yeah, I'm like touch and go on TikTok just because it gets me tired really fast. So um follow on TikTok because we usually put up really fun stuff there and on Instagram at holisticism. And if you want to listen to me talk, I'm gonna have to have you on my podcast. I would love that. Um yeah, we have a two weekly podcast, one called The Twelfth House, which is all about intuitive business, and one called Good For You, which is about wellness hype beasts and trying products and services in the wellness space and calling out the scams that we see Heck so yeah. they're both pretty fun. Ooh, love yeah. that.
0: I'm definitely going to binge both of those. Thank you Michelle so much for coming on. It was great chatting with you and guys make sure you go follow her, check her out.
1: Thank you so much Michelle. Yay.
0: The Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group is also going to be a killer resource for you to ask questions, get feedback on anything branding, marketing, or entrepreneurship related. And to catch today's show notes or anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to mkwcreative.co slash KMA pod. We'll catch you next time.